Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT. And just feel like we're having a bit of a laugh here because last week you joked... Because he's massive as well. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You joked that we'd have to get a giraffe or a rhino on. Well, we haven't. It's not not a giraffe or a rhino, but he is big, Johnny. He's a hybrid of the two. He's he's as big as the other guests that we've had. No, looking forward to having him on. He was absolutely ridiculously good at the weekend and uh, yeah as you said another freakishly big human being so looking forward to meeting him in a second we'll bring him in shortly but you were all over the first legs of the champions cup round of 16 for bt sport at the weekend and we can take listeners behind the curtain a little bit because you really went above and beyond the call of duty didn't you at the weekend (laughs) (laughs) we're not talking about this are we Horrendous. Uh, All I was talking about was you driving Jill Douglas around the country. I don't know what you're talking about, John. (laughs) And trying to find their bottles of wine in different (laughs) garages on the way. No, we couldn't find any. Uh, No, I had like a horrible virus last week. So like vomiting, um, that's as far as we'll go. Absolutely disgusting. Um, But pulled myself together. Um, I think it's just a bug going around down here as I was back in the UK as well. But uh, it was a big weekend of rugby. Absolutely loved being involved. Um, was down to Toulouse for the first one against Ulster, which was epic. Like it has to be. I'm not sure if it came across on TV, but the stadium was absolutely pumping. Um, it was so cool to be there. And the quality of rugby from both sides was fantastic. And then down to Montpellier again to watch them uh, dispatch Quinns on the Sunday. And like you mentioned, it was a bit of a road trip with Ali Aitken, the lead commentator, and Jill Douglas, who I get like crazily. I was watching her on Rugby Special when I was 10 years old back in Scotland. So cool to be working with her now. Um, but as I said, the rugby was terrific. I absolutely loved it and still getting over the vomiting. But apart from that, uh, an amazing week. Let's leave the illness to one side. But <laughs> we're starting Montpellier. They were 34 nil up against Quinns with 50 yep. minutes gone. So at the end, is there a sense of disappointment that they only take a 14-point lead into the second leg? Or have they got to be happy with that? 14 points is still massive when you think about it. Um, Philippe Saint-André described it this morning as glass half full, but they were utterly dominant for such long spells in the game. And Quinn's just couldn't find answers. It almost looks like, and again, I've worked on loads of Montpellier games this year for Premier Sports, but recently they've brought in a blitz defence. Like they play the way France do defensively. Um, And Fabian Galtier was in the stands and he'd have been absolutely loving it, but... Quinns normally are very, very effective in attack, as we know, but playing into a blitz defence, what happened to them is what happened to Scotland and other sides during the Six Nations. Big men going hard at you on the gain line, on the front foot, 
And you turnover ball, Montpellier were absolutely ruthless. They were slick off turnover ball as well. And Quinns did well to fight their way back in the end. But Montpellier, clinical, aggressive, um, and just bossed that game line. They were really, really impressive. And I think 14 points is probably fair. You mentioned clinical. I think five tries from eight visits to the 22. So Quinns came back into it, played the the Quinns way. But a Mm -hmm. bit like you mentioned last week, Montpellier did a Montpellier on them for the first almost an hour. They bullied them. Weirdly though, Quinns, they managed to work their way into Montpellier 22, but they just weren't clinical. I think that's something like five launch plays in Montpellier 22, like had decent field position, but either it was pressure from line speed or just their skill set let them down at key moments. They coughed up the ball. Um, and towards the end of the game, like I always thought as the game wore on, we know what Quinns are like. They play 80 minute rugby and they score a load of points in the last 20 minutes. And they did towards the end, they came good, but Again, Montpellier, they were honestly breathtaking to watch. Again, in stadium, when you saw what they did to Harlequins on that game line, they were devilish, like properly, properly dominant on the game line. Um, And they can be really chuffed because their game is built on, they don't score many tries. Again, you look across the top 14 and how many tries they have scored, they don't score many, but they're great in the air. They kick a lot and defense is big. That's what the game's built on. But then you saw what happened off the turnover ball when they were, on the front foot, turnover ball, two quick passes, gone. Zach Mercer, how effective he was. I mean, he was absolutely everywhere, as was Kobus Reinach. Joffrey Dumaru coming back to fitness. He had six months off without playing. And going into it, you're kind of worried, but everything clicked. They were seriously impressive and be hard to look past them again next week. And no Ronan Agara on the sidelines after his ban for an incident earlier in the season, not the one last <laughs> week with Gustafurius. But we spoke to Will Skelton, obviously, last week. And... Larochelle's keep ball alive philosophy that Ronan Ogar has talked about before, that was in evidence again. They were chucking the ball around about 20 offloads, I think. Comprehensive win over Bordeaux. But that comes when you're organised. And again, amazing day for rugby. You can see the quality of the hand catch, the organisation off the ball and how they put each other into space. And yes, every time Aldra, every time Skelton pops the ball up and offloads, you play off the unstructured ball, defences aren't settled and you create something and they are just, again, they're one of the few teams that seem to have Bordeaux's number. They can match that physicality that Bordeaux bring with simple templates and how they're organised under Christophe Urios. They can match that and then they've got a little bit of X factor. They've got a switch and a kick that they can go to another level. They can unpick defences. I mean, so much so now you've got people over here saying, you know, should Bordeaux just stick out a bomb squad for this last game? Would they just concentrate in the last in the top 14, the running they've got because they need to they need to find form and quickly. But but La Rochelle certainly, I mean, Jonathan Dante, Aldrit, La Rochelle as a team, they just had far too much for Bordeaux again, two times out of three. And you'd have to bet on them going back to the Northwest this week to win again, to win all three. So I think that's why everyone's saying, you know, maybe Bordeaux should focus on the top 14. And you mentioned the crowd in Toulouse where you were on Saturday. They went down to 14 after 10 minutes. So What was the crowd like then? And will they be relatively happy to lose to come out of it with just a six-point deficit, especially with the late score? I I think our guest will give us a little more what he thinks if he's happy or not. Initially, just such a day of rugby. Uh, Again, they weren't at Stade Ernest Wallon. They were at the the stadium of Toulouse or Little Wembley, as it's known to locals down there, which I didn't know. They were telling me it's Little Wembley. But again, before kickoff, the buzz around the stadium was absolutely incredible. And then to lose Malia so early on, you kind of had a feeling of deflation and then Ulster seemed to run away with it, but they showed so much character. And again, when you think the three months they've had in top 14, how poor they've been collectively, that was the first time and maybe a real moment, a defining moment potentially in their season that they just dug deep. Our guest was absolutely phenomenal. The willingness to play to the end, 
the work of Antoine Dupont, again, we talk about him on the ball, but defensively, the stuff he was getting through, the counter-rucking, again, you could have named any of them, 1-23, to they were phenomenal. And I think they grew almost with 14 men. And that might be the performance that kicks them on. So I think initially there was a bit of deflation. Um, they were crying foul because they thought there was a bit of offside for one of the intercept tries, which didn't go down <laughs> particularly well with the crowd. But I think with, with them going over last minute and getting that try to narrow the gap with Intermac, they'll be a little bit happier. They, they probably feel they would have won the game if they kept 15 men on the pitch and they would have clicked together as a 15 or 23. But I think being down to 14 and having to dig deep, um, which we haven't seen them do for the past two, three months, they've maybe found a little something collectively that will keep them in good stead for next week, but also for the next two, three months of the season. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, things may not quite have gone to plan for Toulouse at home to Ulster, but the tie is far from over. And we can have a chat now with one of their try scorers from the first leg, Toulouse's Australian second row, Manny Miafu joins us. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's nice to be on the podcast. 
just finished listening to the Big Will, uh, Big Willie's one, so it's good to be on. We've taken it up a notch this week. Are you, are you bigger than Big Will? No, I think I think Will Will's a bit bigger than me. I, I heard, and he said he's he sits between one forty five and one fifty, and I'm about one forty. Oh, lightweight! You've ruined our <laughs> intro as well. We build you as even bigger. <laughs> Played bigger at the weekend. I appreciate that. It was a it was a big game for the boys, and uh, also gave it to us. So um, we're just hoping to get it over them uh, this weekend. Take us right back to the opening 10, 15 minutes because it didn't all quite go to plan at the start. So what were you thinking when Malia took out Ben Moxham in there and he got sent off? Give us your honest, what were you thinking? Yeah, well, that wasn't, yeah, that wasn't really on the plan to, uh, of things to do during the, our first final. But uh, no, I think, you know, he made a decision to um, do what he did and it was an accident. And uh, I think, you know, fast playing, uh, with 14 men for the next 70 minutes wasn't ideal. But, um, you know, that's rugby. And I think the boys did well to hang in there for as much as we could. And, and we were ahead for for quite uh, a long time, but also got, got in front and, you know, we, we didn't get the result we wanted. I'm going to be honest, whenever that happens, I think we are going to be absolutely fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Come 50, 60 minutes, you're like, this is going to kill. Surely you must be thinking the same. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not the fittest guy on the field, so I'm kind of worried about, uh, you know, one man down, but the boys uh, did well and um, we did as much as we could. And you say you're not the fittest on the field, but talk to us about the try on a more positive note, because you were involved on the right-hand side, chipping the ball onto Malvaca, I think it was. Then you hit a couple of rooks on the way left, ended up on the left wing, crashed over. So you had some engine then. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think once we get into the gold zone and near that trial line, I think like um, I'm, I'm encouraged to get my hands on the ball. And um, I'm a big guy. So I think, you know, five metres out, I should really get um, as much touches as I can. And uh, that was just the goal for me is just to keep working, getting into position. Um, what did Ugo Mola and the coaches say after the game? Weirdly, were they quite happy? With a six-point deficit, given the context, or were they were they disappointed? No, I think uh, surprisingly, like a lot of the boys were gutted about the result, and even um, at the end, they also had a bit of a scare on the 80th minute. And uh, so, I think there were definitely a lot of positives to take away from that game. Um, the coaches said, you know, heads up, we've got a big week, uh, big game next week, and uh, it's not over. And does the game plan change this week, or is it fairly similar to what you intended to do when you had 15 men on the field? Really similar, but, you know, keep 15, let's play 15 on 15. If we can play, you know, a solid game like that with uh, with one man down, I think we've got a pretty good chance if uh, if we've got, you know, even men on the field. Johnny mentioned Ego. What's he like as a coach, as a bloke? Is he a guy that when things don't go to plan like that, he shouts and hollers a lot or is he quite a calm character? What's he like as a boss? Um, you can get kind of both from Ugo. He's, uh, <laughs> he says what he wants. Uh, he's very vocal. Um, but then you can also get the silent side of Ugo. So, you know, you never know what, well, which uh, which side of Ugo you're going to get. But you know that, you know, whatever the result, he'll have something to say. Which is the scariest one, the silent one or the shouty one? Definitely the silent. The silent. <laughs> <laughs> and you were huge at the weekend. Johnny mentioned it, but you haven't actually played very much in European rugby. Have you played a load in the top 14 last season, but not too much in Europe. So how are you finding the, the difference between the two competitions? Uh, well, I think like like for me personally, I find it less physical in the European against teams that are not uh, in the top fourteen. Um, it's a lot quicker. Uh, I think I think it is quicker, um, but yeah, just a, li- a little bit less physical than the top fourteen itself. It looked clearly like you were able to make more of an impact 
as a compliment, but that's the thing like top 14, you're coming against monsters every single week. There's a Will Skelton, there's, there's somebody else your size in every other team. Whereas in UK and Ireland, we don't make people that size. Generally, we, we don't have players and we're more lightweight. So I completely agree. Going from top 14 to European rugby is less physical. So you feel like you can dunt more, you can get across the gain line, but it's just when the speed kicks in, like when you play against your Leinsters and things start to kick up a bit, that's when it starts to stink. Yeah, that's so true. You know, when you become come across like class teams um, who can keep the ball going and they they uh, build up their phases, um, I think that's when it gets a bit tough. But the physicality um, from the get-go, it is a lot. I think it's a bit more physical because in France there are, you know, there are a lot of big boys from the props to locks and even the back rollers are, they're all over 115 kilos. So, um, there's a lot of impact going on there. You didn't play in the finals last season, but having contributed massively across the campaign, what was it like to be part of a double winning squad at Toulouse in France in the top 14? It must have been insane. Oh, it's, it's something I, I really can't like explain. So when I arrived in November 2018, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. And that first year, I didn't play at all. I played with the Espoir a little bit and then I didn't play much of the 2019 year in, uh, either but going to the games and watching the boys the boys couldn't lose like the boys were just you know on fire and of course we had uh, guys like Cheslin and you know Antoine and guys like that but those guys are individually like like freakish athletes and they're all on the same team so going into last year like we knew we had something special and to be a part of that and actually playing during the season was, was amazing and then the boys you know, to take it out in the, in both competitions was just, like, surreal. And I think for me, I got lucky, you know. This is my first kind of involvement in uh, in this kind of, you know, professional scene. But for those boys, like, uh, you know, who have been there for a while and who have been uh, grinding it out, and, uh, you know, guys like Max Medar and Joe Takori who, who have done it before, it was good to see those guys win the, win the double and, you know, it was definitely a lot of emotions going on. Yeah, Johnny Manny thinks that's what it's like every year. You you win the double, you party on the beach for five days. Is that what it's like for you? Mate, you come over, you play in relegation shit fights. Mate, it depends on who you are. Let's be honest. Um, I was brought over for different reasons, but you've been brought over clearly because you have a massive potential and you're now starting to absolutely killing it. You're killing it playing for one of the biggest teams in the world, which is ridiculous. Um, so let's chat. Like, I want to ask you a little bit about your background because you've done all sorts of stuff and you started off in league, but can you give us a little bit about your background and how you ended up over here and the different things that you've ended up doing in your early parts of your career? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I started off with league. Um, grew up in Australia, so league's uh, very prominent in Australia. And, uh, yeah, grew up playing that. Wasn't very good because I was so big and not that not very fast and league is a, is a quick game. And so I wasn't very good and didn't really know any better. Um, only went to to play um, Union because my friends were playing. But uh, no, I, felt I enjoyed myself playing Union. When I finished school, I uh, went down to Melbourne, Melbourne Rebels. Did the academy there with um, with a few of the boys that are playing here now. Steve Cummins, who is with Poe, and um, he's a good lad. And that's I met Will Skelton through Steve, so... That's how me and Will got into contact. But um, but no, my goal was to play Super Rugby, play for the Wallabies, and then see what happens. But I never got a Super Rugby offer or contract. And uh, that's when I decided to firstly, like, try other avenues. And that's when um, I'm sure you've seen in the paper that an NFL... Talk us through it. Again, 
I could only ever dream. I'm not a good enough athlete, but there's certain like Richie Gray, who I played with, played for the Scotland team. He's six foot 11. He's a freakish athlete. I always wanted to like, I was like, would you ever try? Like people would his agent would get chirps, like bring him over and we'll try him out. But he never went over. So like, how did it go? How did you get identified? Is it a talent ID system or did you push yourself? So at the time they were running trials in Australia, which is, they call it an NFL combine, um, like international. And they were running trials in Australia. And at the time I was living in Sydney and my family's in Queensland and the trial was in Queensland. So they had emailed me and said, if I was interested, the trials in Queensland. And I just thought of it as it's a free trip home. And uh, so I went, did it, and they, man, it's it's professional. Hey, they measure the the width of your hand, the weight, you know, your fat percentage, and all that type of stuff. And they run you through some through some drills, and then from that, they just you know they just narrow it down and they pick. Uh, so they run the trials around the world, and they pick five guys to attend a three month um, like intensive training. And uh, from that three months, you enter the draft, and then uh, you get put into a team for into an academy. Uh, contract for about two years, I think. So how far did you get? So I got picked to go to Florida uh, into the ING Academy. And then uh, my agent said, oh, because before I was never keen to leave Australia. I never wanted to leave Australia. It wasn't my plan. And it was a bit, you know, out of stretch for for me as a young 18-year-old kid. And so when I got picked and I said, yeah, I'll do it. He said, all right, let me have one last shot. I'll go send your footage to France. They love boys like you. Would you be keen? Would you be open to me uh, showing them your footage? And I said, yeah, whatever, if something comes from it. But if it not, I'll go to uh, America. And um, that's how I've ended up here. And because and they said that I would need to be in France for my GIF then and there. On like, I left about a week later making my decision. So I dropped the American thing and, and came over here. Before we get on to Toulouse and Gif, I want to ask you, what position were you aiming to play in NFL? They said something like the defensive line or something, like in the yes. somewhere in that, you know, in that line, protecting or attacking the quarterback. I wasn't too sure about. Yes, mate. It's the highest paid, it's the highest paid position. I love the idea because I went in and I weighed in at 150 and they said, we want you heavier. So you'll be gymming three days. We want you around 160 pure muscle. And I was like, oh, I can, I can live this life. Oh. <laughs> well, not only that, you may have won the double with Toulouse, but do you know how much money they earn in the NFL? Yeah, yeah. They said rookie contracts are like start from about 1.5 or something like that. But, you know, it was real cutthroat. And like they were saying, I needed my... And rugby was still definitely a passion and dream of mine. The only reason I had gone down the NFL... Um, road was because I had no offers and for me rugby was over so when you know Toulouse and a few other clubs stepped in you know there was still a passion and a drive to make it in rugby so it wasn't too much of a, a tough decision to you know choose rugby and you mentioned your agent sort of put your name out there and Toulouse got back to him but how did that work who who at Toulouse sort of saw it how did how did the approach come or well, I think there were like a, a couple clubs and uh yeah, I think I'm not too sure how that went down, but it was between my agent and uh, one of the recruit recruit guys that are at Toulouse, and uh, I think they were just keen to get me over, get my gif done, and then uh, see see where it would take me. Euros are valued more 
is more higher than the dollar anyway. Plus, you're Gif, you're awesome, you're young, you're a tight head lock. <laughs> Mate, you're going to be killing it. Next contract is going to be huge. So I wouldn't worry too much. Johnny, I'm not even sure Toto Dupont's on a million a year, is he? With GQ involvement oh, well. and, and yellow dressing gowns, Manny will be in them before you know it, mate. He's going to be killing it. Bobby Kane. But so, like, you, you, you've gone from potentially to the USA, NFL is now on the back burner. You've come over to France. Give us like a little bit of a taste. You came over, you're only 20, you go into the Centre de Formation, which is the academy in France. How was that? You come in, you're 20, you don't speak a word of the language. You chucked in the deep end with the young French boys. How did you get on? Uh, I found it really hard. Hey, like not, I mean, off-field rugby was easier than the on-field. Like, because I had guys like Jerome Kano was there um, and he's my my dad's favourite rugby player. So that was one of the reasons I went to Toulouse in the first place because Jerome gave me a call and my dad said, yep, Toulouse is the one, Toulouse is the <laughs> You know, I've got guys like, Jerome, Joe Takori, Charlie Fomolina. So a lot of the boys that are in the, um, you know, in the island culture that were looking after a lot of us young boys that were coming over and, you know, doing that sort of thing. And uh, I had uh, David as well, David I knew who is in the States, you know, American team. So we went through that S-bar phase together and off-field it was, you know, it was good and, um, you know, I appreciate those boys and everything that they've done for me. But the on-field and the rugby that I experienced in Australia and the rugby here was totally different. And I, I couldn't wrap my head around it because I was used to kind of like, you know, a bit of more, a bit of more shape, you know, everyone doing um, their job. And I think playing Espart, it was a bit, a bit chaotic for me and I couldn't really keep up. And I struggled like probably the first three months and then, you eventually get the hang of it. A bit looser, certainly academy level, then stepping up, like you mentioned off-field, having Jerome and Charlie, like these guys must be phenomenal for you to be around and absorb and just see how they go about their work. Like you talk about absorbing from top level professionals, seeing what needs to be done off the field. I mean, that must have A, been super, that must have been incredible to have them to look up to and look after you. And then secondly, how has the change of rugby been when your involvement in the, in the top team, in the top 15, in the pro level, in terms of that structure, what you maybe lacked, what you experienced in, in back home, did you find that the step up with the top level coaching staff? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think like when you step into that professional environment, the the players are more professional, the coaches are more professional. But yeah, like I said, like you've got world-class players within the team. And I think it definitely does make it easier for me that, you know, you've got Roman Entomac running the ship and you've got guys in the forwards like Charlie Fomolino is also helping you out and... Uh, telling you kind of where to go and what to do. And I think that makes it easier as a young guy coming in. You mentioned Jerome Kano and Charlie Famuina. He had it to lose. But as an Australian and a youngster coming over to France, you've got a guy like Will Skelton, who we had on last week, playing at La Rochelle. You played them in a couple of finals last year. Did you know him before? Did you speak to him? Have you got to know him since? Uh, not like, not real. I think we've only gotten a bit closer now that we're both here in France. But I first met Will on a night, so on a night out with Steve Cummins, the Rebels played the Waratahs, and I think Will stayed down in Melbourne for a night. And so I met him there, and I'm asking him, "Oh, how do you keep the weight down? How do you, you know, with all the struggles?" And he was real nice about it. it never met me in his life, a little 18 year old kid. He gives me his number, and the next day he he sends me, um, you know, some meal plans and stuff that he follows on how he his weight down. So I really I respect him a lot, and uh, I look up to him because he's another, you know, one of those you know, big number fives and he's doing, he did, had an awesome year last year. So, uh, and he's playing awesome now. So he's definitely someone I look up to. And, um, and we, yeah, we've gotten close now that we're here and he messages me 
um, from time to time saying that I'm doing well and I, I really appreciate that, yeah. After speaking to him last week, I think part one of his advice for keeping the weight off, no business class flights, Johnny. Mate, fill your boots. If you go back home to Aussie, go cattle class because you're in <laughs> business class. You're going to be stacking it back on. But another thing, at the weekend, like again, we were commentating the game for BT and it said at the bottom, it said to lose his pack weighed over 1,000 kgs, which I've never seen before. And I don't know if it's real or if it's true, but we looked at it and we we're like, that can't be. Or maybe it is. Like you look at the size of the boys, you're like, maybe. So what's the secret? Is it caught the buff? At training every day or are you eating at Brennan Snug you're eating at Big Trev's place during the week for free or how how you got such a massive pack that can still function oh it's all the above it's uh you know we're a tight group the forwards the front row themselves have lunches like every fortnight and they're eating you know cut the burst wild guys and all that type of stuff so nah but we got we do have a, a lot of big boys and you had uh, Thibaut Flamon as well, who's a tall guy, and he wasn't number six. So, you know, I saw it as well when I was watching the game back, and I was like, oh, we're, wow, we're over a thousand. We were, we were talking about NFL before because you nearly went over there and the money and stuff. Tell me it's like it is in the NFL where the quarterback pays for his offensive line to eat. Does Antoine Dupont pay the bill for your lunch? So when they won the Grand Salem, they took us to, our, to a restaurant and uh, they, sh- they, uh, they shouted us there, which was nice, but... I'm sure there's a there's a lot more where that's coming from. And Johnny mentioned the size of the the pack. Just because we did have Will on last week and and we're talking to you, you playing the same position we've discussed, a little bit smaller apparently, but in the same ballpark. Have you got size 19 feet or what? No, no. So I, yeah, all <laughs> about that too. And I, I was thinking, oh, I was like, I'm sure we're around the same. But no, he's about he's way ahead. I'm a size 15, 16. Aren't we all, Johnny? We're all 15, 16. No, <laughs> no, we're not. not. Not as big as Big Will, but you know, it's still a struggle to find shoes. And mate, another man I want to ask you about is Big Joe Takori. So being the sort of cultural epicenter of Toulouse for a number of years, but he's obviously moving on at the end of the season. A lot of people now saying you are the heir apparent, you're the number five that can take his jersey and pay tribute to a man who has been a legend for the club and possibly kick it onto another level. And I think that game of the weekend shows that you're more than capable. But in terms of coming through the club with him, being around him, out drinking with him probably afterwards as well, can you keep up with him off the field? But give us a little bit about the man, your relationship with him, the mentoring that he gives um, and the pastoral care that he's given at the club as well. Yeah, no, for me, like I wouldn't, I think without Joe and a lot of the other boys as well, but mainly Joe and his partner, Helen, I think I would have gone back to Australia a long time ago because, you know, I think a lot of players, uh, my position can also say the same thing, but those guys are crucial to the club, um, not only on the field, but mostly off of it. The boys, like, uh, are very drawn to Joe and, like, he's very welcoming and, you know, a guy like that, of that statue and of that status, is uh, he's a very humble guy as well. And, uh, you know, he's the first guy to put his hand up to help anyone out, but... Yeah, Joe's been, um, he's been a, like a father figure to me in the team, but also like an older brother as well. You know, he, you can have fun with him, but he, he also yes. knows you in your place. Um, no, but Joe, like, you know, and it's uh, it's a compliment for me for, for anyone to compare me to Joe um, on the field, but off the field, no, nah, I, I can't keep up with him. <laughs> I, you know, I'm sure you've heard plenty of stories, but Joe can just keep going and going and going. He's unstoppable, and and he'll he'll turn up the next morning and he'll train. Yeah, which is unbelievable. Like a lot of guys can't do that, but Joe's a machine. He was in the same ballpark. Anyway, you mentioned you had a night out back in Australia with with Big Will Skelton. You must have been out with other 
that you would have to be a big unit to be putting it away on a night out. He mentioned, I think, didn't Joe mentioned Johnny Yannick. You was pretty good on a night out. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he's trying to he's trying to keep up with him. Oh yeah, you uh, one of the young guys, um, Movaka. He can he can definitely kick on. No, but there's not a lot of guys who can couple Joe. There's a there's a there's a few, and if you're in that ballpark, you know you're a machine. But Joe's uh, Joe's in his own league. And as a youngster in Toulouse, big student town, you must be absolutely loving life. In terms of the social with the players and the team, like we joke about how much people can like classic cliche, but it must be a great time. Like with the academy boys, with the youngsters that are part of the setup in the pro team, you must have a great laugh in Toulouse together. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well that, and that's what I was saying. Like when, with the Espoir, the off-field stuff was was like incredible. And also like, like just the lifestyle here in Toulouse is, is amazing. You know, you've got, when I was playing Espoir, um, I played with, you know, Rod Netty, you know, a lot of the boys who are now playing with the pros. So just seeing those boys, um, you know, play the Espoir and make their way up to, to the pros, like, it's good to see, but the boys are, are enjoying themselves and they're, and they're showing their, their skill on the field as well. Johnny mentioned that culture and lifestyle and off-field activities. You mentioned the Grand Slam winners came back and, and bought you dinner and stuff, but some of them, you know, the likes of Roman Entzmack are the same age as you. So talk to us about what they like, the characters, him and Antoine Dupont, Cyril Bay, like who are the big characters and, and are they very down to earth and very grounded? Yeah, yeah. Like those boys are real, Antoine's a real reserved guy. Like Toto, you know, keeps to himself and, you know, he's got his childhood friends, but, you know, we're all like a real tight-knit group and that's something that Joe's really brought into the team is, like whether we're a foreigner or a Frenchie, you know, this is one team and we're a family. And that's really like been built, you know, um, over the years and not like before I even arrived. So like, yeah, Roman's not, you know, he's not a big loud person either, but um, he shows and he speaks through his actions on the field. Um, Cecil's a, a character, Cyril Bell, he's a character. So he, he's funny too. Marshawn is a funny dude. Um, they like to joke around off the field. Um, but when it's time to to play, those boys really do show up. So they definitely do lead from the front. And you said something I want to pick up on, mate. You said foreign or a Frenchie. What do you feel like? Do you have international aspirations? You mentioned growing up, you desperate to play Super Rugby and play for the Wallabies. Is it still something that'd be on your radar? Would you want to make a step up and play international for the Wallabies? Would you think about playing for France? Where would your head be with all that type of stuff? Oh, and I've spoken to the boys about this a lot, but I, oh man, I want to play for France, hey. Uh, France is definitely um, on my radar, and uh, there's been like a little bit of discussion around it. And I'm working working towards getting my passport, but um, yeah, that's definitely like I want to play on you know top level. And you know, like for me, I've been here now for over three years, so I would definitely love to play for France. And um, if that came up, I would definitely um, say yes to that, or I would definitely be putting my hand up for that. But until then, yeah, I want to you know play some good rugby for Toulouse, and then see what comes from it. And you said there'd been a little bit of talk, like have you had conversations with the staff or has it been something internal at Toulouse that they've asked what you want to do or word with Fabian Galti or Sean Edwards? So William Savat used to be, used, one of my first year here, he was the forwards coach. So we have constant conversations about um, that type of stuff and he gives me tips about, you know, keeping my weight down and, um, you know, continue to play the way I've been playing and stuff like that. Um, I've spoken to Fabian about one, uh, once, and uh, that was just, just to gauge like where my head at 
was where my head was at and uh, just seeing like what my aspirations were as a rugby player and stuff like that. Nothing, you know, nothing too serious, but I had spoken to him and then uh, after that it's been, uh, we see Will at the club a few times and we say hello and he uh, he always squeezes my stomach and asks me how much I weigh. <laughs> you squeeze his back? Mate, he's been out of the game for a long time, but he's rock solid, that guy. He's a and beast. His, Mate, oh. you should have seen him when he played as well. He He's one of the biggest freaks I played against. He was an absolute barrel and still now you see him and you're like, not too much has changed. He's massive. Oh, yeah. And you hear stories about his off-field antiques and then he just rocks up and just kills everyone. So, no, he's an animal. but And he's a good guy as well. So it's good to have him around the around the club as well. And you mentioned the passport there as well. France obviously is home now and hopefully it will be for a good number of years to come. We hope you get international recognition. We've had loads of guys on the show who are sort of weighing up whether to go for that French citizenship. Johnny's done it. It's tough. Yeah. Anyone who's, Anyone I've told that I'll be um, I've, that I'll be going for it has, you know, it's not an easy, not an easy thing. But you know, you can only try. Any advice, Johnny? Well, my advice would be that Manny is a smart, articulate man who comes across really well. And if a muppet like me can do it, then you can definitely do it. <laughs> That'd be my advice. Positivity, mate. Um, that's it. They give you like a handbook. There's lots of things to learn. You go and have the meeting. You basically just flirt a little bit with you hope you get a nice girl. And then they give you a green tick. Um, no, mate, I reckon it'd be awesome. It'd be awesome for you as well. I don't know when you could qualify. Um, there's obviously a summer tour to Japan this year. There's two tests out there. It'd be an amazing testing ground to test out kids that have been doing some extremely positive performances in the top 14 in the youngsters. And obviously the Grand Slam boys are going to get a rest. So it could be the perfect time um, to test the next generation, which you are now part of. Um, mate, looking ahead this weekend, do you feel that if you start this weekend as you finished in Toulouse, you can go over to Ulster and bash them in Belfast? Yeah, yeah. I think like we've um, we finished training today on a on a real positive note and, the, and everyone's pretty positive going into this week. Um, you know, we lost on the weekend, but I think we played a very, very good game one man down and we took a lot of, a lot of positives from that. So I think everyone's really, you know, everyone's upbeat and, and we're positive going over to, to Belfast and uh, and getting this this win. And are you staying overnight in Belfast as well? Because Johnny will know it well, but if Big Joe's come in and Yannick, you, you Belfast won't know what it hit. If it's a good night, Johnny. It's a very good night, mate. You'll have a great time. Yeah, no, I think they've... Uh, They've done this purpose, on, on purpose. So we go, we stay the night before, but then after the game, we come straight back. So that's... Uh... <laughs> oh. That Hugo Muller is a smart man. A quiet man, <laughs> but a smart man. Mate, my best ever trip in Ireland, we went over to play in Leinster and then the game was snowed off. So they cancelled it. And we we're like, well, we're here anyway. We'll go to Crystal's. So we just went out in Dublin, had a day, a full day drinking in the snow in Dublin and ended up in town because they couldn't change the flight. So it might still happen. You never know. There might be snow in Belfast this weekend and you have an epic weekend. I wanted to ask you as well, Manny, before you go, it's obviously been quite tough. We, we didn't really touch on this, but quite tough during the Six Nations period while internationals were away. It was that period where you had six straight losses, guys like yourself rolling up sleeves trying to dig it out and get it back on a positive track. How difficult a period was that in the club? It looked like the boys had lost a little bit of confidence. Now things potentially with that performance at the weekend back on track, but how hard was that to go through for the group? Yeah, yeah, pretty tough. And uh, coming like into a club, I arrived in 2019. They had won the following year, you know, COVID. And, um, you know, and then following up with the double with the double um, championship, like 
it's it's a like a historically like very successful club. So uh, just going through those consecutive losses and winning one and then going back to a loss was was real tough on uh, on not only the players but the coaching staff and like the supporters as well and uh, and the whole club as a whole. So I think you know to have those boys back was definitely um, was definitely a good thing for us. But uh, I, I really credit the boys who who were behind and. Who, yeah, like you said, pull their sleeves up and um, try to try to bring something out, and and we got some good wins as well, you know, against the first top of the table, Bordeaux and Montpellier. So we were capable, and I think it was just uh, a bit of confidence there for the boys. And um, now that that's passed, and we got these uh, these next few tough games against uh, Ulster, and then back to you know La Rochelle and Toulon, those are some definitely uh, some tough games. So it's good to have the boys back, and I think now that we're over that little slump, hopefully we can. Um, make a run for the finals now well, fingers crossed you're back on track and thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story it's been a hell of a journey so far from league to potentially the NFL now to France winning the double hopefully it ends in international honours with France so good luck with it all yeah fingers crossed no I appreciate you guys for having me good luck this weekend mate alright cheers lads hell of a story that Johnny um, I don't know if I'd have made the same call cheers in rugby union over the NFL but hey May I? In his, we're joking, but in his position, he will go on to have a phenomenal career now at Toulouse. And even if it's not Toulouse, something goes wrong. He will have a career now in the top 14 as a tight head lock where he will go on and smash it. Fingers crossed, touchwood that he stays injury free. But again, massive unit, very talented, very physical, but clear with the way he talks, very smart, very articulate, a thinker. And you can also see the way he affects the game on the game line. He's a smart player. So, Again, he's right at the start of a journey, um, but great to have him on. Almost similar, we had Thibaut Flamand on before he became a French international. There's another one. They play in the same team. He could be the 10th <laughs> member of the next Grand Slam side, but there you go. He's going to go and have a great career. And again, the long-term solution to Jota Corey retiring, he's right there. We just had him on. He was superb at the weekend. He's been class every time I've watched him this season in the top 14, um, consistently. And I've, I've absolutely no... No qualms at all about the fact he's going to go on to be a top, top player. And fascinating that he grew up wanting to be a Wallaby. Now, he couldn't have been clearer. He really wants <laughs> to be a French international. And the people in Australian rugby must be looking at him now and thinking, you know, he would be great to have on board. So another one that's kind of slipped the net, I guess, and, and French rugby are clearly looking at him. But it's different styles as well. So you're coming through the... You're coming through the Australian system, you're looking at super rugby. Would he be fit to play super rugby age 17, 18? Maybe not. They might think he maybe not, maybe didn't have, uh, with Will Skelton, that was that was his slight as well. Everyone targeted and said he wouldn't be right for super rugby and he wouldn't be right for international rugby. But again, top 14 clubs, what they do is they look for people with a point of difference. And that's what this guy has. That's what Manny has. He has a point of difference. He can demolish a game line. He can get you over one. He's carrying boy backward. He can compete for ball. He affects every single mall he's involved in. Again, the sort of dirty stuff that we don't want to talk about. Um, he gets involved in the tight aspects of the game. So he's got a point of difference. There's no better place to learn than in the academy at Toulouse with the boys that he was mentioning um, and the team that he's around, the coaching structures that he's around. And again, the contact you have with the club. William Servat is my old coach. He wants to know how I'm getting on. <laughs> Clearly, you know, it's the path is set for him. If he chooses to stick to it and apply himself, he could potentially be a French international quite soon. Um, so no, really interesting. 
Right, we will look ahead to the Champions Cup round of 16 second legs a bit more very shortly, but it's about time we did our meter moment of the week, isn't it? So what have you got for us, Johnny? Really easy this week, mate. A friend of the show, a former guest, I commented on his game for BT at the weekend um, as an Englishman playing in France against a premiership side. Zach Mercer was absolutely ridiculous at the weekend. Carries, offloads, his reading of the game, his finishing, again, performing cuts in the middle of the field with Forletta, the loose head prop, and finishing from halfway, his speed off the base, his jackaling. Um, we talk about points of difference, but Zach Mercer at the weekend was a massive point of difference against English opposition, which he have absolutely loved, and it would be huge for him. I hope Eddie was taking notes and watching. Um because I think Zach has it all. He's got all the elements to be one of the best back rowers in the world. Um, player of the round, star of the match, and easily 100% the metre moment of this weekend's games was his performance against Harlequins. Not only up, as, up against English opposition, up against... Don Brunt. Don Brunt. Hey, and I, we didn't even say his name. Again, part of the team depends which team you're part of, but Montpellier were utterly dominant, but Zach was party to every dominant part of that play um, both sides of the ball um, so a huge display sticking his hand up and just letting everyone know that he's still there but you know live on TV to do that against the incumbent the man that's in there that everyone's talking about every single week and to obliterate the opposition um, was pretty special so a cool moment for him cool moment for his family as well they'll have absolutely loved that and it might not be this summer but do you think Eddie will be on the phone and sort of suggesting that he maybe come back sooner rather than later Mate, I, I, it clearly comes down to, like, I think Montpellier as a club, I've got more in terms of paying power than essentially any English premiership site. It will come down to Zach's desires and what he wants to do. If he's happy and he's in Montpellier and he's enjoying life, he's just got engaged, his missus seems to be enjoying life down there as well, and they're going to pay him all the money in the world, he'll stay. But if he's got a burning desire to play for England and be part of international rugby, he'll come back and take a pay cut. Um, and that's the decision he's going to have to make. And only he knows the answer. Only only Zach knows what he wants to do. Um, I, again, weirdly, we were chatting to people around us in the in the stadium during commentary at halftime as well. And they were just like, he's so much better than anything we've ever had at eight. And I was like, I don't want to remind you that I used to play here. So I'll take, my, take myself out of this conversation. But they were like, compared to Pierre Spies, who came, the Springbok, miles better. Compared to a young Louis Picamo, miles better. Like that's how highly they rate Zach. That's what he's done. Like he leads the league in meters, offloads, carries, everything. And he's constant. Every single week he's performing. So they absolutely love him. I know the staff love him as well. They've all just re-signed to 2025. It's whether they want to keep him and take him on that journey. And again, if they if they offer him to extend early a year out from him being off contract then you have, he's got some serious decisions to make. But um, look, he's loved there at the club. He, he was sensational at the weekend. Um, but yeah, he's going to have some de- decisions to be making over the next 18 months. You're absolutely right. That was Johnny's meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 11 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan and get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, We've up the stakes, haven't we, Johnny? And you can now get 20% off any full price item instead of 10%. All you have to do is enter the code FRENCHPOD20 at checkout. That's FRENCHPOD20 instead of FRENCHPOD10. And you get 20% off any full price item at meter.com. Let's look now 
ahead to the second legs of the Champions Cup round of 16 and maybe a bit beyond. It's looking good for Racing, isn't it, Johnny, with a potentially a home quarterfinal against Bristol or Sale, just jumping ahead a little bit if they finish the job against Stad, which most people are assuming they will. It looks comfortable. It's a wee bit sad for Stade Francais being their closest rivals or their nearest and dearest rivals, but Racing are looking really comfortable back at the arena. They've got Stad's number um, and it just looks too easy. An easy home win for Racing, I would say, this weekend. But I think we'd all like to see Stade Francais compete a little bit harder, uh, make it a little bit closer. Again, for their end of season, they're not really competing for anything now, but again, for a little bit of respect and a bit of what they want to do next year. They've got people retiring as well. You always want to finish on a good note, but for Racing, yeah, comfortably going through, easy win this weekend back at home. We just want to see a little bit of dog from Stade Francais, a little bit of something different, not another red card, but you know, a little bit more positivity for them because they look, again, it looks like a little bit of a difficult place to be right now. You mentioned the red card, Tolu Latu, 11-week ban for him, two red cards, six yellow cards this season, which we must be getting on for a record, probably not quite there yet. As well as that, Hans-Peter Wilde has come out, backing Gonzalo Casada, but talking very openly in the public about a lack of leaders, potentially the coaching setup as a whole. So what do you make of the whole situation at start at the moment? Mate, you're missing the, the, the key part is how he talked about Latu, which was disgraceful. Outing him as having an alcohol problem in the press, um, essentially calling him an alcoholic in national press, which is disgraceful. And there are certain sort of standards and values and, and things that we talk about in rugby and a lot gets dealt with in-house. I don't know if that's true or false, but I know that every director of rugby, every president or most presidents or people ahead head of any type of organisation should not be doing that to any type of employee or any type of player that's under their control um, in a public domain. It's embarrassing. Um, and I feel really bad for him and his family back home. Obviously, he's a, he's a long way from home. And to read that or if that travels, it's incredibly concerning for, for his family. So if there is issue, firstly, I hope he's okay and I hope he's getting the help that he needs. But I, I do not think that anybody in any position of power should be saying that type of thing in the public about their staff. Um, I think it's a disgrace. Yeah, you hope the right support is given to him and, and he's surrounded by the right people. But if that is coming out in the public domain, it doesn't say a lot for the culture and the environment of the club at the moment, does it? But, but he's not there. This is the thing. So you've got, this, is, this is a guy that doesn't spend any time day-to-day in the club. I don't know what conversations are had with Casada, who by all accounts is a superb bloke, a great man. Everyone loves working with him, loves working for him. But th- those aren't the words of somebody, and that's somebody that's removed from the club quite considerably, um, who won't know Latu as a person, but making that comment in national press. So there's, there's nothing come from within the club, so to speak, which makes this so much harder. But I just think it's wrong. Fundamentally, you wouldn't say that about anybody in a national newspaper. And Claremont were well beaten by Leicester and they've lost five of their last six home European games now. So Stade Marcel Michelin, a stadium that was once a fortress, certainly not in Europe at the moment. Look, they're going through transition. Again, there's weird things, there's things that I've picked up this year, like they can't defend malls weirdly um, again Lionheart's never been their strong suit um, but simple things like defending malls Leicester gave them a lesson in efficiency uh, simple rugby an excellent the kicking display an excellent mall and I thought Clermont would have had enough to win the home leg but now like you can't see them going to Welford Road and doing anything um, Ford, Genge, Stewart they're flying high in the Prem and they're back home at Welford Road. So, so that'll be another win probably for, for Leicester. But but Claremont as a club, you know, changed to coaching staff. Uh, there's been a transition for playing staff as well. 
You've got people, you know, big profile people moving on at the end of the season. Cami Lopez moving down to Bayonne. Morgan Parra's future, we still don't know. So you kind of get the feeling like Clermont at the minute is a little bit unsettled. Um, and it has been for six months, possibly more. And I think they'll be looking forward to getting to the end of the season, pressing the reset button and coming together for, for next year. But at the minute, it just looks like they're unsure of themselves. And we chatted about it earlier on, but what's your gut feeling? Is Montpellier going to hold on to their lead away at Quinns to set yeah. up an all-French quarterfinal at La Rochelle? Um, I think Quinns will be better at the stoop, but Montpellier looked incredibly comfortable for the first 40 minutes before they started making changes and taking Ryanach and Zach Mercer and everybody off. Um, and I think that overturning two scores at the stoop will be very hard for Quinns, although they can be excellent. Um, but the way that Montpellier were able to contain them for long periods and defensively, how, how dominant they were at the weekend. I think if they set their stall out and they defend in the same manner with the same enthusiasm, they possibly get the chance to go away and win away from home this weekend as well um, with their first string. No, I think that could be another win for Montpellier, but I think certainly they'll have enough to go through to the next round and make it an all-French affair. And put your money where your mouth is. Are Manny and Toulouse going to turn it around away at Ulster? The only thing that would make me doubt it would be the forecast. If it was snowing um, <laughs> or if it was absolutely pouring, and it became an absolute mud fest. But I think they've kind of got the bit between their teeth. And I think it has been a difficult period. Like we'd, I wanted to ask Manny more about it. We kind of got carried away with time. I think it's been a difficult period for Toulouse without everyone there. But I think they'll have that sort of drive, that determination to really go there to deep, dark places for each other and try and dig something out. So it's a, it's a six-point advantage, right? So I think they've got enough to go over and beat Ulster by six points. I think if they had 50 men on the field, um, they'd have beaten Ulster, not comfortably, but they would have beaten them. But I think now that they found that extra factor, that extra bit of spice that Benji likes to talk about. Um, and I think they'll bring it this weekend and I think they'll, they'll win away in Belfast. Thanks, Johnny. Huge weekend of European rugby ahead. A big thanks to Manny Miafi for joining us and a massive thanks to all you guys for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe, leave us a nice review if you can as well. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube and we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, Johnny. See you, mate. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.